0: hello and welcome to the bill russell episode of the hoop 3 podcast also known as episode 6 my name is logan Wertman. And today, as always, just like we've been doing all season long, we're gonna be looking at the over under picks that Jacob and Anthony and I made at the beginning of this season. We're just gonna be checking in with these teams seeing how they're doing, looking at how our picks are holding up, stuff like that. So yeah, I'm gonna play the audio clip of Jacob and Anthony and I making our picks for the last two teams in the Pacific division. So the Phoenix Suns and then the Sacramento Kings. So yeah, I'll let you guys get into the clip of us talking about Phoenix. And then right after that, I'll be back to provide additional thoughts on Phoenix, how the sun season is going. And then I'll play the Kings clip for you and come back and do the same thing for them. So yeah, enjoy. right, next team, Phoenix. I'm going to put the i believe i chose the over on this didn't i yes i did i chose the over on this one don't feel super great about it though with the whole deandre situation going on right now i don't know if that's gonna you know rear its ugly head anytime in this um coming season but yeah so i i just like their their team overall though obviously with their trip to the finals last year um and i think they're all going to take a step up except for maybe chris paul might take a half step down but who knows so jacob what about you
1: um, I've also got the over, and uh, it's pretty much all the same reasons. I'm not super worried about the DeAndre Ayton thing. I think he's he's just going to grow, in his, and then the, he'll eventually get his bag. I think the biggest thing is they're, I don't think it's arguing about whether he gets paid. It's how he gets paid um, in terms of how much of his incentivized and how much of it is guaranteed and stuff like that. So um, I've got them as an A-tier, like top A-tier right below the Lakers. I could see them doing a lot of things, but I've got them in the A-tier. Yeah, I have them in my uh, over and a tier also um it's it's a really good team but you know Chris Paul we'll see how he's going to do this year cuz i feel like he's showed that he's aging more than you know someone like LeBron we'll see though it's it's a fun team i like the team a lot especially Bridges who could easily be on the 76ers right now but uh yeah yeah all right
0: all right so time to talk about the Suns and so the Suns are currently on a 66-win pace, their over-under line was 51-and-a-half. No issues there for hitting their over. It's crazy. I think they started off the season like 1-and-4, I want to say, which is nuts. You know, they, they start off 1-4, now they are on a 66-win pace, and they have, how many wins right now, 58? 58. They're 58-and-14, 58 so they're well over their line already. They're the only team in the NBA with 50-plus wins, and they have 58. So, yeah, they've been kind of just far out ahead of the pack ever since basically early January, I think, is when Golden State started to fall behind. Um, Right at the beginning of the season, it was Golden State. That was more in the lead, mainly because of Phoenix kind of stumbling out of the gate. Yeah, also, it seems like when they went on their huge win streak at the beginning of the season, um, they, they had like a 20- Man, I can't remember. 20-something game win streak. I think it was like 21, 22, something like that. But they went on that win streak immediately after they went one-on-four. And then also it was immediately after like the whole Robert Sarver um, investigation stuff started coming up. For those that don't know, the league has been doing an investigation into Robert Sarver, the Phoenix Suns owner. Um, He's a guy that basically everyone in and around the nba has like publicly uh disapproved of or like talked bad about <laughs> like nobody really likes this guy uh it seems to be at least somewhat you know deserved but yeah basically just investigation into him doing shady stuff being a not good owner or boss or you know employer being um, somewhat inhumane i guess in in some situations Yeah, anyways, a lot of the narrative, I guess, around the team, when that stuff first kind of came out and started being talked about, um, everybody was talking about how they feel bad for the Phoenix Suns because it's going to be really hard for them to put together the season that they're capable of now because of all this distraction and turmoil within the organization and stuff like that. But it's really seemed to be like the complete opposite. Like it's been something that has somehow united the roster personnel, uh, coaching staff, like, you know, everybody involved with the day-to-day stuff with the team, it seemed to have united them even more. And has led to some really good basketball. So that's been interesting. Yeah. A lot a lot more of, you know, the Suns how they were last year. But they do have JaVale McGee now as a backup center, which I was kinda salty about. You know, Nuggets got him at the trade deadline last year, and I thought he was really good for the Nuggets at center. Um, In backup minutes, you know, when when Jokic wasn't on the floor because those minutes sucked for us last year as well as they have this year, mainly because offensively, you know, it was just drive and kick, pass it around like nothing really was ever happening. Our offense was just settling into somewhat contested jumpers over and over. So, yeah, I I just wanted to get JVL McGee in there to pair with a point guard like Monte Morris or Faku Compazzo and just run some pick and rolls, you know, get him downhill at the rim put pressure on the rim that you know kind of collapses the defense and then you getting better kickouts and better looks for people along the outside uh stuff like that so yeah so like phoenix kind of just got him for a bargain to be honest and that's something that they needed because they were lacking a backup center last season they had dario Saric kind of playing that role for them most of the season but then he got injured in the playoffs yeah so phil mcgee has been huge for them there You know, DeAndre Ayton continuing to be a really good pick-and-roll partner with Chris Paul. And then, you know, their big wings, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, you know, smaller wing and Mikal Bridges. All three of those guys have been playing great this season. I feel like Mikal Bridges has even taken a step up in terms of his defensive game this year. At least that's gotten more recognition this season than last. Devin Booker has been You know, really good, just like he has been every other season, really. Um, I think the biggest thing is he's improved on his three-point shot, extending his range to be more consistent out there. I think that's really helped him out, um, especially with him, you know, playing off the ball with Chris Paul a decent amount. Yeah, and then CP3 just being the ultimate floor raiser, you know, just a floor general in the purest sense. It's going to be kind of tough for them now, though, with Chris Paul out. Can't remember if he broke his wrist. I think it was a fractured wrist. Yeah, he's supposed to be out until basically right when the playoffs start. So either he's going to be back like right as they're starting, or you know, somewhat later into the first round or so. So yeah, it's going to be a little tough on them, possibly having to go in it without him, um, but also just having to bring him back, you know, and without any reps, him just playing high level playoff basketball against um, what will probably be. Let's look at the standings really quick. Well, yeah, it's hard to tell with the play-in, but it will probably be one of the Clippers, Pelicans, or Lakers. You know, even could be Timberwolves or Nuggets, maybe even Mavericks if if they slide a little bit um, and lose the first play-in game, end up with the eighth seed. But yeah, especially if it's like Mavericks or Nuggets, or really even Lakers, that's going to be a... Interesting series. It'll be a repeat from last year, but with very different circumstances uh, with how just the Lakers are orchestrated. But yeah, I don't know what's made them the best team in the league, honestly, other than they haven't had like a crazy amount of injuries, I want to say, compared to most teams uh, this year. Obviously, other than now this Chris Paul one. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like this season is really not as top-heavy And the Suns have just been really, really consistent this regular season. I don't really think that they're this much better than the whole rest of the league. You know, like a whole uh, 10 wins better, like more than 10% win percentage better. But they're still really good. They have to be considered, if not the favorite in the West, then like tied as one of the favorites in the West. You know, along with, I don't even know who else you put up there, honestly. I guess the Warriors would be... The other one, man, this it's just so wide open this year, honestly. It's gonna be interesting to see. You know, it's really crazy how far the Suns have come in just two seasons. You know, two years ago, missing the playoffs, and they had been missing the playoffs for over a decade, I think, at that point. And then all of a sudden, they get Chris Paul in the offseason, and then that year, they're the two seed in the West. And then now this year. They're going to end up with 60 plus wins as the first seed in the West. So it's pretty crazy how far that organization has been flipped around. And James Jones definitely deserves a, a, a lot of credit for that, as well as Monty Williams as the head coach, but then obviously Chris Paul as well, and Devin Booker and all those guys, you know, developing and, and stepping up. But yeah, that's the Suns. Now I'm going to play the Kings clip for you. And after that, I'll be back to provide some more thoughts about the Kings. So yeah, enjoy. Mm -hmm. So then we got Sacramento next, uh, the
1: Kings. Anthony, how do you feel about them? I'm going under and I'm going E. I don't think they're F, F tier, but I think they'll still be bottom E. Uh, I just hate Luke Walton as a coach. They have they have good players, but Luke Walton is terrible at coaching basketball. <laughs> I say that every year. Mm-hmm. If they had Dave Yeager, I would probably put him yes. higher, but he is on the 76ers staff currently. So,
0: Yeah. Jacob, what about you?
1: Uh, I've got the under. They're bad, and Luke Walton's their coach. Yeah. And they had three playable guards, or two playable guards at the NBA level, and then they drafted another one. I get he's a different type of guard, but I still don't understand it. I like Davion Mitchell, but I do not understand why they felt the need to have Darren Fox, Harris Halbert, and Davion Mitchell. Like, I just don't get it. Anyway, with that, that's a pass. That's mm. it. They're bad, and they're F-tier to me.
0: Yeah, I'm a bigger fan of the three-guard thing just because I don't think, you know, the rift between Buddy Heald and that team has been a thing for a long time, and I think they're going to finally move off of him sometime this year. So r- with that said, I'm still taking the under- uh, I don't love their coach. I don't love the situation they're in, and they're, you know, in the West. I feel like they're just a little bit below all the teams around them right now. Uh, and I take the over on them like basically every year. I feel like so, I'm gonna I'm gonna zig against myself. Jacob, did you say a tier for them? Did you put them e? uh, F? Oh, you put them F. All right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. So now it's time to talk about the Kings. So the Sacramento Kings were really bad this year for most of the season. Uh, Davion Mitchell hasn't had a great rookie season so far. Um, He's gotten better recently though Uh, really ever since that Halliburton trade which is the other thing. Really big move this year at the deadline. Trading away Tyrese Halliburton. Something that was very controversial for the Kings. A lot of people thought that Fox should have been the one that got traded uh, out of those two and you know it remains to be seen what the best decision there will end up being but Aaron Fox has definitely been a lot better this season since that trade went down. And, you know, they got Sabonis, DeMontis Sabonis over in that trade, you know, who's been a pretty good addition for them. Um, I honestly don't really know how Kings fans are accepting him at this point, if they're really excited about this team moving forward or not. It seems like their record has not improved since then, since the trade. It's been like basically the same. Uh, They've been winning at the same rate. But currently they're on a 28-win pace, and their over underline was 35 and a half. So they're pretty well under right now with not very many games left in the season, like only like 10 I think games left. So yeah, there's not much else to say I guess. There's um they did fire Luke Walton, which I think we all kind of mentioned Luke Walton in that clip. He got fired right at the beginning of the season. Honestly, like when I heard the clip, uh, when I listened to it back for, you know, recording this episode here, I was surprised hearing that like us all bring up Luke Walton as the head coach. And I was like, were we like, were we all wrong? Did we not know at that point that he got fired? Cause it feels like it's been so long ago that it happened in the off season. But um, now that I'm thinking back, I think it actually did happen early in the, in the season after the season started. So um, yeah, Alvin Gentry has taken over as head coach there. I don't know if they brought him on full time or not, to be honest, like signing him for a contract in the future. But yeah, I don't know. Kings are just, you know, they're a few steps away from being, I think, really in the conversation for, you know, a contender in the playoffs, not, not even like a contender for the championship. I mean, like a relevant team and a team that could win a playoff series, you know, something like that. They've got, a, they've got a ways to go until then, you know, maybe they get there with this Fox and Sabonis pairing. They do make a little bit more sense to me now than they did when uh, the trade first happened just as a pick and roll pairing, they're, you know, they're pretty nice. Um, Both of them aren't the best at spacing though, obviously, but we'll see their chemistry grow as, you know, they continue to play together and Davion Mitchell, you know, kind of grow into his role as well. They traded away Marvin Bagley. Um, So, you know, they, there are changing some things around. I don't know if it's been entirely like awesome or super positive, but um, it's been different, I guess. And, you know and they've made all these moves basically from the standpoint of winning now at least uh i assume so um going and getting DeMontis Bonus i think the move there was getting the best player in the deal you know trying to put together a better roster right now for this season so they could make a push for the play in which they are well outside of i think right now yeah um well 5 games back you know actually 6 games yeah 6 games back from the 10th spot which is the Lakers and Pelicans are kind of tied there right now. So yeah, pretty safe to say they're not making the plan. And that was like their whole mode of operations for their whole organization this season, I guess, was like at all costs, just make the playoffs because they're on the longest active playoff drought um, in professional sports right now, I believe at least. Uh, They definitely have the longest in NBA history now um, after this season because they were tied with the Donald Sterling Clippers, at 15, this season, they've been tied with them ever since You know they missed the playoffs last year. So yeah, after this season, they'll be at 16 as the lone absolute longest playoff drought in NBA history. Yeah, I always thought it was stupid that they're just trying to push for the playoffs this season, just not break the record when, I don't know, it's just, I would be much more focused on like actually building a team, building a franchise uh, that can actually finally pull itself out of this you know, area of horribleness. Um, you know, so they didn't really do that. They haven't abandoned that at all though. It's not like they don't have a chance, but just going based off of King's track record, there's, there's not a whole lot of hope right now um, for a King's fan. Just being honest. The other thing I was going to say when I brought that up um, was it seemed like they were acting like them making the 10 spot and being in the play in tournament would count as breaking the playoff drought. And I was kind of like, I never heard really anybody bring that up or question that, but I was kind of like, are we really just accepting that as like, that's going to break the playoff drought. I was really curious to see if that's actually officially what they would do. Like now that you made the plan, now your playoff drought is over. Um, which I, do, I just don't think that's how it should work because I don't feel like making the plan should be, the equivalent of making the playoffs. So it shouldn't count as making the postseason in my opinion, at least because it's, it's like changing the precedent of what the postseason is. And also it's just, it's not the postseason. It's not the playoffs. It's, it's the thing right before that it's what qualifies you for the playoffs. So if you make it out of the play in tournament and you end up as one of the eight seeds, the seven or eight seeds in the playoff bracket, then you have made the playoffs. But if you lost in the play in tournament, and you're not one of the teams in the playoffs, then you haven't made the playoffs. I just feel like that's how it should work and I don't really see why that's not the most obvious way to do it. I think it's because some people think you shouldn't take away like a team's playoff appearance if they, you know, were let's say the 8th spot but then lost both the play-in games and didn't end up in the playoffs. Like you shouldn't take that team's season away from them and say they didn't make the playoffs. But I mean, they didn't. So yeah, the plan does make it more interesting right there at the end of the season, but it doesn't... You know what I mean? It's just weird. I feel like it It just shouldn't count as a playoff appearance unless they're actually in the playoffs. And if you lost in the play-in tournament, even if you were the higher seed, that's just kind of tough, I guess. You can, call, you can call it a play-in appearance, I guess, if you want. Also, I don't really know how it works for the lottery, like picks. I feel like it should kind of work where... Um, whatever like the standings are at the end of the season before the play-in should be the order of the picks, like the uh, order of the lottery odds at least. So like if, if you end up as the 9 seed or the 10 seed at the end of the regular season, then you should be in the lottery when it comes to the draft, even if you win in the play-in tournament and get into the playoffs. The reason why I think that should happen is because I don't really want to see a team that's the 8 seed and they're in the play-in tournament And they don't like the franchise isn't really wanting to win because it's the difference between, you know, if it's like something where it's a lottery protected pick, like if they make the playoffs, they lose their pick for that season. And if they like lose and don't get into the playoffs, then they'll have a lottery pick. And more importantly, they'll just have their actual first round pick this season or that season. So I don't know. I feel like if that were the circumstances at some point, which I feel like is actually decently like possible to happen because the lottery protection is a thing that's used pretty often on picks and trades. So that would really highly incentivize a team to lose in the play-in to maintain, you know, their pick. So I just feel like tanking, it's hard to get rid of it, and it's going to happen at least a little bit. its It's been fixed a lot with this play-in tournament, the implementation of this, because there's so many more teams that think they have a shot to get in. So, you know, a lot of those teams at the bottom of each conference are still trying more. Um, at least there's fewer teams that are completely at rock bottom, you know. But yeah like I was saying it's there's always going to be tanking still at least to some degree towards the end of the season but I'd rather not have that be like inside of the play-in at all like I feel like there shouldn't be any incentive to tank in the play-in tournament um, I just would really like to eliminate all even possibility of that so that's why I feel like it should just be the picks of where the teams ended up at the end of the season and then the plan all that affects is whether you go into the playoffs or not doesn't actually affect where your like, you know, odds ranking is in, in the draft. Anyways. Yeah. On the topic of the play in though, the other thing I was gonna say is um, I like the way they did the plan in the bubble where you had to be within four games of that eight seed. Like the nine seed had to be within four games of the eight seed to be able to even have the play in as like a thing. <laughs> and I thought we should like keep the plan moving forward and actually keep that apart of the plan um, concept. Cause right now with only like eight games left in the season, there's a five game difference between the eight and nine spot. So like the nine could just beat the eight seed once in the, in the plan tournament and then just get into the playoffs, you know? And while like, I guess five games is close to that four number. I'm just bringing it up as, as an example of like, like this is going to happen. You know, there's going to be years where there's a, even bigger drop off than this between eight and nine. Um, and I just think it's kind of dumb to even have the plan as a thing at that point. Um, yeah. If they, like, if there's not a lot of space between these teams down there, uh, in the seven through 10, then I said, do it. i also like I said this during the plan, um, in the bubble, I thought it would be cool if like, you just had no limit to it. Like if there was, you had the four game rule, as long as you're within four games of that spot, then you, enter that play-in tournament. So, like, if the 9 seed is within four games of the 8, the 8 and 9 would be in the play-in. And then also, if the 10 seed was within four games of the 7, then you'd have the 7 through 10 in the play-in. And then if somehow, like, the 11 seed is within four games of the 6 seed, then 6 through 11 would be in there. you know? So, like, if it's a year where there's just so much, like, you know, everybody's so packed in there tight, like, there's not a big difference between all these teams, which could happen. Like we've had seasons where there's been a lot of teams all tied at a certain record. I don't know if it's been like the exact six through 11 range, but it's definitely happened like, you know, three through seven or three through eight or, you know, like nine through 14 or, you know, something like that right now. It's, it's pretty tight within nine through 13. And it's really tight from four to seven and not not even that much farther to go to two to seven anyways i just feel like that would make things even more interesting um and maybe you know you add a game for being farther apart in seed so like the nine seed just has to be within four of the eight ten seed has to be just within five of the seven um you know and then 11 has to be within six games of the six seed and so on and so forth something like that i think would be interesting Maybe it's a crazy idea that shouldn't happen, but I just found it interesting. And I feel like it is kind of dumb when it's, if there was a year where it's just super far apart. And honestly, it kind of is like that right now, especially with like whoever's going to end up in seven is a decent amount ahead of the eight. And then also whoever's in nine or 10 is a decent amount behind the eight. So like, it's pretty, it's like a five game difference between seven and eight at the end of the season, it'll probably be. Around there. Um, it's actually six and a half right now. Six and a half games between seven and eight. And then there's five games in between eight and nine. Um, and then nine and 10 are both tied there at 30 and 41. So, yeah, it's just weird that a 30 and 41 team is like, you know, still in contention for the playoffs right now. But who knows? Um, that's just my opinion on it. But yeah, I went a lot longer on the Kings than I thought I was going to do honestly thought I'd have more to say about Phoenix, but I guess most of it wasn't about the Kings. It was more about the plan. Yeah, that should be it for this episode. I think it'll be quite a bit shorter than usual, Um, but I'm just trying to get through the rest of these teams. Um, And I just wanted to finish off this division since I only did the first three last time, because I spent so much time talking about the Lakers. So here's a quick little one for you. So yeah, follow the feed on Spotify and other podcast platforms, do all that stuff. Um, Appreciate whoever's listening. Stay tuned. Hopefully I'll drop another episode sometime soon. I say that just about every time I make an episode and then it takes me forever to get back around to working on it Um, because I'm distracted and tired. (laughs) But yeah, here's to hoping that you'll get another episode from me somewhat soon, Um, especially now as the season's wrapping up. Playoffs will be fun and interesting. Hopefully I'll be able to do some stuff for that on the podcast so and youtube go check out youtube i think i'm gonna be dropping a video there soon i've recorded a little bit so yeah check that out as well but anyways thanks for listening i'll talk to you guys next time